You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 710 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Tuesday evening. And for, uh, I guess, the clarity purposes on this podcast, I will tell you I am recording at about 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. When the, when the trade deadline is fast approaching, it is uh, important to know the minute by minute. So there we are. As uh, the plan for now, unless something crazy happens later tonight, is that this will be the last podcast until the Hawks play on Wednesday night. And then if there's a deal between now and then, we can talk about it then. But the deadline is fast approaching. And we are less than 48 hours from the deadline, which arrives on Thursday at 3 p.m. So I thought it would be good to come in and just kind of check up on the latest and greatest that's out there right now involving the Hawks. Obviously, no trades um, recently for Atlanta, but a lots, lots of buzz to discuss, and we'll do that on this podcast. The latest from Adrian Wojnarowski, who's, of course, sort of the leading newsbreaker in the NBA world, um, he reported on Tuesday afternoon that there are, quote, multi-team discussions, end quote, with the Hawks targeting Clint Capella. Um, no surprise there when it comes to Capella. As we talked about on the last two podcasts, he is perhaps the most frequent discussion topic among Hawks stuff that's been reported so far. He's a good player, and if you want more thoughts on him, the player, um, wait until that something happens or go back listen to the last two podcasts. But um, in that reported discussion, from Wojnarowski and others, it would basically feature Robert Covington going to Houston, um, some picks and expiring contracts potentially to Minnesota. There's also a four-way deal construction that's out there that would involve Andrew Wiggins and D'Angelo Russell. Um, if you're an NBA nerd, I'm sure you can go, back, go out and find the rest of that deal. But on the Hawks side, it seems to be centered around getting Capella in exchange for the Brooklyn Nets pick, which is coming this year probably to Atlanta. Um, obviously, the Hawks have to send some salary out. It'll probably be Evan Turner or some combination of mid-tier salaries. But um, the number one asset in any of these reported deals that I have seen so far is the Brooklyn pick, and that, and that makes a lot of sense when it comes to pursuing Capella. Again, if you want, if you want more on that particular construct, go back and listen to the last two podcasts. But that's the latest on the, uh, on the national front. There was a new at least a new-ish rumor that hit on Tuesday. It's not a huge one, and honestly, I'm a little bit skeptical of it just because of the fact that it was only reported as the Hawks um, inquiring about this player, uh, which could be just one phone call, but alas, here we are. Uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez from the Denver Nuggets is a player that was tied to Atlanta via a report from the Denver Post on Tuesday. Um, you know, it was, it was from a, 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 an actual beat writer, so I always put credit in that kind of stuff because they hear things around that I wouldn't necessarily hear on this end, and uh, he plugged, uh, Mike Singer is plugged in with the Nuggets, so I definitely take it seriously. Hernan Gomez is an expiring contract, but he'll be a restricted free agent. He's a relatively young guy. He turns 25 in September, so 24 this season. He was a first-round pick in 2016 in the draft uh, that had Torian Prince and Yari Bembry in it. The Hawks could have taken him, did not, and I uh, did not do that at that point in time. He was, he was a mid-first-rounder in that class. And basically, if you're the Hawks, you'd be trading for someone like Hernan Gomez to check him out now and then have his match rights. Now, as I've said numerous times, I am against the Hawks trading for expiring contracts if they're older players and kind of rentals. In this case, the asking price would presumably be so low that it would be okay, and the Hawks have a uh, you know a reason to evaluate this because Hernan Gomez is both cheap and restricted if the Hawks want to keep him around beyond the season. Um, making a little bit more than $3 million this year, the Hawks have to, would have to match that salary, and um, the reported asking price is probably going to be a second-round pick for Hernan Gomez. 
it is worth noting the Hawks don't actually have a second round pick available until 2022. Um, this year's pick is already out. Next year's pick is going to Brooklyn. So the Hawks don't have their own pick or any second round pick until 2022. So I'm not sure if that would cool things off for Denver. The Hawks don't really have another another asset that would be comparable. Uh, Bruno Fernando is too good to trade in that kind of deal. So, you know, if you look ahead a little bit, it has to be pretty far out there, which is another reason why I'm not sure that there's a deal that's sitting sitting there for Hernan Gomez. But because it was reported and I was asked about it a couple times on Twitter on Tuesday, I wanted to at least talk about it. Um, just for the record, it would be nice to have him uh, around. Honestly, he played a lot more last season than he is this year. This year, he's kind of out of the rotation in Denver because the Nuggets have so many good players. They went out and got Jeremy Grant. So basically, he's the third string power forward for the Nuggets. But honestly, that's not really a crime when he's playing behind Paul Millsap, who's still very, very good, and Jeremy Grant, who was uh, a big time acquisition for the Nuggets. So um, not necessarily his fault that he's out of rotation, but a power forward option. Uh, again, not probably not, probably not going to be a starter long term, someone who would be a flyer to be a rotation player that you could hopefully sign for cheap and resign. Um, so I sort of get it. He can, he can shoot a little bit. He's 6'9". He's got real size. He has some talent and uh, would be someone that would make a little bit of sense for the Hawks to buy on if the, if the price is very cheap. Just want to put that out there. That was the only other rumor that I heard that is new. So I wish I wanted to get that on the table early on in the podcast. Um, before I get into a lot of other stuff on the show, on the second half, I do want to at least plug a couple things here. Obviously, in the next couple of days, we'll have um, content on this podcast, also on my Twitter feed on Peachtree Hoops, where I uh, am the editor-in-chief over there on Hawk Stuff. Also, no specific nuggets that I wanted to share from this because it's behind the paywall, but Chris, Chris Kircher of The Athletic wrote up a, uh, a good story on Tuesday evening that had some quotes from John Collins, which, which I thought were pretty interesting because Collins has been in the fray when it comes to trade rumor stuff. So check that out if you haven't already. It's pretty good stuff. And Chris has been on this podcast. He's plugged in, and there you go on that. Okay, a quick break, real uh, to hear from our sponsors, and we'll come right back with more on trade stuff and a little bit of a look ahead to Wednesday night. All right, and we're back to talk about one more trade kind of construct, and that was a report out there from Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer on Tuesday. It got a lot of attention. I was tagged in several tweets about it and asked a lot of questions about it, so I wanted to talk it about uh, talk about it a little bit here and address it. Um, first things first, you know, O'Connor is plugged in around the league. He has a lot of sources and talks about a lot of different things that he has heard. I totally understand that, so I'm not trying to get on, you know, I'm not trying to be negative about anything. But one of those things where I felt like I had to address it. The first thing that he reported in the in the uh, write up, and by the way, he's written several times. But this is the uh, sort of the more reporting aspect that he's put together on Tuesday was that the Hawks are, quote, the most likely destination, end quote, for Clint Capella. I agree with that, at least based on what I've heard and also what's just been out there and reported and re- reading the tea leaves. It seems like the Hawks are the are in the driver's seat there if anything happens with Capella. It doesn't mean that they're going to get him, but certainly I would back that up with what I've heard. Um, from there, though, it gets a little bit interesting because a lot of people alerted me to this, even though I'd already read it, because it's a lot more juicy um, and even something that I... Honestly, I cannot back this up at this stage in time, and uh, my, my standard reply was that uh, there were some leaps in this reporting that I am not will- and I am not willing or able to make at this moment, but I wanted to at least talk about it here. So I'm going to read this passage to you that was written by Kevin, and uh, it's basically about John Collins. Here you go. Uh, quote, if the Hawks land Capella, it means they probably will have found a new home for John Collins. Though John Collins has had success as a pick-and-roll partner with Trey Young, he's expected to demand well over $20 million annually, either an extension this summer or, or in restricted free agency next summer. Atlanta doesn't want to invest that type of money in Collins, considering his defensive limitations. End quote. So, there's a lot in there. Um, I think, by the way, it is just way too strong from what I've heard. If you listen to the last two couple podcasts, I have said, and I will say it again now, it would not stun me if the Hawks traded John Collins this summer. Now, it would blow me away if they, if they traded him before Thursday, which has to be said. And 
it is important to note that I think the Hawks are not shopping John Collins. They are taking calls. I think he is available in the way that every player is available outside of Trey Young, and that if, you, if you're blown away by, by an offer, then that's uh, out there. Um, Sarah Sensor said, said the same thing that I have said a couple times on the podcast. Uh, she tweeted out today that she's been told that the Hawks' young core is not going to be traded before the deadline, barring something um, crazy happening. I agree with that. Um, same thing that Chris Kershaw has said multiple times, too, and th- those guys were plugged in um, around the team. And, you know, all that said... I think it's just too strong the wording here from KOC, just because of the fact that um, you know it kind of makes it seem as if, if, as if as if the Hawks getting Capella would basically slam the door on the John Collins era, which I can't necessarily get to. I think that I think I do think that the Hawks, if they traded Collins this summer, would not be a huge surprise, particularly if they decided internally, and I don't know this by any stretch, but if, if, if they decided internally that Collins was not someone that, that they wanted to pay a ton of money to, maybe even a max contract or cl- something close to it, then trading him would make some sense or at least exploring the market for him. Now, with that said, it's also possible that Capella and Collins don't work perfectly together, fit-wise. I think it does it, I think it does work and can work, and I think Collins' perimeter gains have made it to the point where that actually could work on both ends of the floor, but it's not a perfect fit. I think even the uh, most ardent supporter of acquiring Capella would note that Collins and Capella are not perfect together. Can it work? Absolutely. But it's not It's not what you would draw up in a lab to play an extra John Collins. So, what I don't buy, honestly, is that the is that if, if the Hawks traded for Capella, then they would also have to trade Collins. I just don't think that's necessarily the case. I think it might be related to some degree, and I think if you... Ask me, would the chances rise of trading Collins if they added Capella? The answer is probably yes, by a little bit. Um, just because Capella is under contract for long for the long term, they are somewhat duplicitous um, in certain aspects. I think again, they are different players, but they do sort of fill some of the same space on, on the offensive end of the floor, etc. So, do I think that there is a possibility that adding Capella could put Collins in jeopardy to some extent? Sure, maybe, but I do not think firmly that if they trade for Capella, that's definitely the end of John Collins. I would not come anywhere near that at this point in time. And I also, the last thing there, it's kind of a minor detail, and this has been said a lot of different places. This is not, pick, not this is not me picking on Kevin, but there's been a lot of, um, I would say, references to Collins' defensive limitations in the uh, NBA world the last couple of days. And listen, I've since, since the draft and before the draft, I talked about the fact that I was always skeptical of, of Collins' defense. I will say he's been much, much better defensively this season. I'm not sure. In fact, actually, I am sure that the national public has not caught up to that just yet. Now, do I think that Collins is a game-changing defender? No, he's not. And he probably he probably will never be. But I think his limitations defensively are a little bit overblown at this point in time, particularly at the four. I think he's actually a pretty good defender at the four at this point. Um, whether, you, whether you believe that he can be a full-time center is a different discussion, but defensively, he's no longer the mess that he was early on and that he was in college. I was too low on his defense coming in, I think. Um, I mean, the tools were bad, and I think his college shape was bad, but looking in, like, since, like, the middle of last year on, he's been pretty good defensively. I think this year he's shown a lot in the time that he's played, so um, I get why his reputation is what it is, because he probably earned it in being bad defensively, but if you're paying attention to the Hawks this year closely, as I know some people are, and people listening to this podcast certainly are, you probably noticed that Collins has been better defensively, and I want to say that out loud here on the podcast. So, all that to say, um, nothing huge takeaways here, but people asked me to talk about this. So I did. I do not think as a Cliff's notes version here, I think that Capella being added to the team would not make it. So the Hawks have to trade Collins. I don't believe that at all. And uh, I think Collins is available. I think he won't be traded between now and Thursday. And I think this summer it could be interesting, but uh, extension talks will 
play more into that than Capella talks, and uh, we'll come we'll, we'll come back with more on that later on. But I think Collins will be on the team as of Friday, and uh, there you go. From there, we'll move on. We'll talk more about more about the future when it actually happens. But the last thing that the Ringer um, reported a little bit on on Tuesday, um, and I'm gonna read the the, the snippet from Kevin O'Connor first. Um, he referenced in his reporting, I'm going to quote it now, that the, quote, the Hawks would prefer a cheaper alternative such as Capella or Cavalier center Tristan Thompson, according to sources, and invest any savings in another ball handler who complements Young, end quote. Now, obviously, Capella is a relatively cheap contract, given what he is, so I'm, I, I, I totally understand that. The inclusion of Tristan Thompson kind of blows my mind. Honestly, um, I think it doesn't make any sense at all. Thompson is a pretty good player, and I think he's uh, fairly solid. I think he's a starting level player in the NBA still. But he's an expiring contract that will be 29 pretty soon, which is not ancient, but for someone like Thompson, who's pretty limited in size, he may not age all that well. And, you know, regardless, at the end of the day, the Hawks would have no business trading for someone on an expiring contract right now um, that has like Tristan Thompson's mold. He's a role player. He's a high-end role player, but he's definitely a pure role player. And I just don't see a team like the Hawks at 13 and 38, as we record this, um, talking themselves into a trade for Tristan Thompson right now. I just don't understand why they would do that. A contender certainly should probably try to get Tristan Thompson. Like the Clippers have been rumored. That makes some sense. But the Hawks don't make any sense for Tristan Thompson. Um, this is a little bit separate, but there was a uh, there was a, also a fake trade column from the Ringer that was out there on Tuesday, and the two Hawks trades that they included were just bad. I mean, I I try not to get too deep into the weeds here when people show me this stuff, and I, I definitely stumbled upon it. It was so noteworthily bad, though, that I just wanted to at least talk about it. One of them was Cam Reddish and Evan Turner for Tristan Thompson, which is just insane. Uh, the Hawks trading a rookie top 10 pick for a half season of Tristan Thompson when the Hawks are 13 and 38 is just ridiculous on its face. So I'll leave that there for now. But yeah, I saw it and it was bad. Um, the second one was a little bit less ridiculous, but still bad. Um, it was the Hawks. It was a three-team deal that had the Hawks basically trading Reddish and DeAndre Bembry for Montrez Harrell, who is also an expiring contract. That would be, again, a little bit less, uh, a little bit less absurd, but um, also quite bad because Harrell... You know, not a great fit here. Reddish is a again a top ten pick on a rookie contract, etc. I just don't see that ever happening. So I want to address that here. I, I will say in their small defense that making fake trades is actually quite hard. And I I often say on the podcast that I don't like to try to get into the into the weeds on making up trade offers, and that's why I don't do a ton of pre deadline coverage because um, until there's actually rumors to discuss, it's really hard to make up fake trades. So I don't blame them necessarily on that. But these two are just you know, take a second and realize that these don't make any sense for the Hawks. Anyway, um, yeah, there you go on that. I think uh, Thompson doesn't make sense at all, and the Collins thing, we, yeah, go back and listen to what I just said. Um, looking ahead, before we wrap this thing up, there's a couple of news items that I want to touch on briefly here. Um, that's kind of it for the trade stuff as of this particular moment. Things could obviously change. Um, I'm recording this again about 10 o'clock on Tuesday night, and uh, if something crazy happens, I will break in with another podcast, but the rest of the pod is not trade-related for now. Um, there was a Jabari Parker update on on Tuesday. He was reevaluated on Monday, according to the Hawks. He's been cleared for non-contact workouts. He's not on the road trip to Minnesota and Boston, which is worth pointing out. And he'll be reassessed next week again, the Hawks say. Um, at this point in time, I'd be pretty shocked if either Parker or Lynn played before the All-Star break because there's just no reason to push those guys. So uh, it looks like Jabari is on his way back, which is good. But um, I, think I, I think I will be the, uh, not holding my breath to see him before the end of the All-Star break. Um... 
Trey Young will be in, th- in the three-point contest, which is not a huge surprise. It was actually reported by Chris Haynes of Yahoo early in January that he was going to do both the three-point contest and the skills challenge, which he actually uh, almost won last year. Um, instead, though, it's just three-point contest. I'm not sure what changed there, and I don't. And it's not a huge deal, obviously, um, but he'll be in three-point contest. And by the way, the rules have changed a little bit for that, and they actually feature some shooting from six feet behind, behind the three-point line now, which actually probably favors Trey Young because of his unlimited range. So we'll keep an eye on that. He'll be in, he'll be in action on that Saturday night, but not doing the full complement of events. He's already in Rising Stars and, of course, starting the All-Star game, but instead he'll, he's going to do one per day. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and take off skills, which is that's just fine. Um, last thing, the game on Wednesday for the Hawks is interesting in a lot of ways. They go to Minnesota. Obviously, trade deadline stuff is going to be the big topic in the NBA between now and Thursday afternoon, and the Hawks have to play a game still, as most teams do, between now and then. The Wolves have lost 12 games in a row. Um, that is, you know, tough if you're a Wolves fan, obviously, but... Um, with that said, Minnesota is actually favored in this game by six points at this moment, at this moment on, on Tuesday night. Part of that is injury-related because the Hawks are dealing with a bunch of guys that could be out again. Um, both Young and Herter are on the injury report. Both are probable, but Herter has adductor pain, and Young, the Hawks say, has an elbow contusion and the ankle sprain that he's been dealing with on his right side. Both, both those guys are probable. I'm assuming they're going to play. But other than that, Bruno Fernando and DeAndre Hunter are both questionable. They've been questionable in the last two games, so we'll see if either or both of those guys play. If they both miss again, the Hawks will be shorthanded in the same way they were the other night when they're just playing this really comically short roster. Um, that would be tough. If you get one of the, if you get one or two of those guys back, suddenly your rotation looks more like an NBA rotation again. So that's important to point out. Um, but Bembry and Reddish are still out in addition to Len, Parker, and Parsons. So you know at least five guys out of the lineup. Could be as many as seven guys out of the lineup between now and Wednesday night in Minnesota. So if you're wondering why Minnesota is favored, Part of that is that they're at home. Part of that is that the Hawks are shorthanded. Part of that is that Minnesota probably is better than their record at this point in time, uh, at least their recent record, because you know they're not very good. But losing 12 games in a row is tough. And the stat of the day um, in Hawks land, if you're looking to try to be positive about the game against the Wolves, Minnesota has not won a game with, not without, but with Carl Anthony Towns since before Thanksgiving. It is February. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how they fare in that game. But I wanted to at least because I'm recording at this time, pass along the injury report and the point spread, all that fun stuff. And the Hawks could certainly win that game, no question about it. But uh, not, a, not a guaranteed win, despite the fact that Minnesota has lost 12 games in a row. Okay, that will do it on a relatively short podcast episode. I, I know I was in the weeds a little bit a couple of times there. Um, if there are more rumors, I might... I guess do an emergency rumor podcast between now and Wednesday night, but I think the plan, barring something huge, will be that I will tackle the remaining rumors on Wednesday on on the post-game show that I always do after games. So that will probably be a dual trade slash game show. Unless something happens like Wednesday morning or like 2 o'clock in the morning on Tuesday night into Wednesday morning, then I might do an emergency short podcast before it. But buckle up. Things could happen. I will be uh, as quick to respond as humanly possible with a podcast. Um... You know, after the game Wednesday night for sure, and then after the deadline on Thursday for sure, and then we'll figure out what's, what else is going on from there. So stay tuned. Please subscribe to the show. That's the best way to get the podcast as fast as it possibly can be, getting, uh, I guess, presented to you, is if you subscribe to the show via the podcast platform of your choice, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you know, TuneIn Radio, Overcast, all those places that have shows. Check us out there. Leave five-star feedback. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks, and we'll see you guys at the very, very latest after the game on Wednesday.